Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. In white and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. At least usually, this episode isn't because it's a bonus episode, because we went so long with our show at the weekend that we had extra stuff we wanted to talk about, so we thought, why not bring it out as a special Opening day, first kick preview show, and that's exactly what we're doing here. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. I'm William Silver. And we're going to have a little look ahead to the Whitecaps season opener against Real Salt Lake on Saturday. Hopefully that will be going ahead with all the snow that is forecast to dump down. Has not helped the Portland Sporting Kansas City game though, because... Due to the winter storm down in Oregon, that game has already been called off and pushed back till Monday. I mean, the game will obviously go ahead. That is, as I say, the big benefit of having that roof at BC Place. Whether the bumper crowd that is expected will all make it along, I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see what the weather does. I think it's going to be probably a game day decision for many people out there, myself included, because... As much as we all love football, we know how Vancouver grinds to a halt when there is a dump of snow and you want to make sure you can get home and not be waiting for 8-12 hours on a bridge or whatever that the shit show was the last time we had some snow here in Vancouver. But let's not look at the negatives. We want to be positive in this season preview show. We're going to look a little bit ahead to that game against RSL on Saturday. We'll also bring you our thoughts as to how the Whitecaps might do this season and bring you what we didn't have time for in the weekend show and that is our MLS West season preview. Think of this as part two of that show that you you listened to for over two hours earlier in the week. But let's kick things off this episode with a look at the big Whitecaps signing news of the week. It's finally official, the Whitecaps have landed La Pantera, the Panther, and I hope he's rinky-dink, because Venezuelan striker Sergio Cordova has signed for the Whitecaps in a multi-year deal, it's a three-year contract. The Venezuelan international 
comes to Vancouver from FC Augsburg in the German Bundesliga, signed a contract through 2025 with a club option for 2026. He will occupy a designated player spot as well as an international roster spot. Led the scoring, as we've talked about in previous shows, for Real Salt Lake last year. Was on loan to the Utah side. They didn't take up the loan deal, but despite that, the Whitecaps had to give a lot to RSL to get his MLS rights, which in itself is just absolutely ridiculous, but that's just the way it is in Major League Soccer. So Vancouver received those rights from RSL in exchange for the Whitecaps' natural first-round draft pick in the 2024 MLS Super Draft, and up to 300000 in general allocation money, 100000 of which would be in 2023 GAM, 100000 in 2024 GAM, as well as 100000 2025. And the first two are guaranteed. The 2025 is on condition that Cordova starts at least five regular season matches prior to December 31st, 2024. If he doesn't, then I think there's something wrong. It's a bit of a bust signing, so I think you can be pretty sure 300,000 in GAM is heading the way of RSL. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about the Cordova signings. It was, it was first announced in the last couple of shows. We won't delve into that too much, but let's just hear a little bit of the thoughts from head coach Vanny Sartini and CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster as to why the club felt that Cordova was the man that they wanted to bring here to hopefully solve their goal-scoring problems for 2023 and be the man that will put away what we also hope will be a slew of chances created from the likes of Ryan Gold, Pedro Viti and Julian Gressel. Here's what they had to say. You talked about integration there. Same can be said about uh, the newest player that you just added in, uh, Sergio Cordova. Uh, I know he comes in match fit and ready to go after just coming over from uh, from Germany. How has he done in these uh, few days that he's had with the club? Uh, What's his visa situation? When can we possibly expect him in the lineup? Yeah, yeah, it's it's ready to go in the sense that uh, he will be available to to play on Saturday. Uh, You know, uh, it's 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 just arrived, so he's no long. He's also learning the way of playing. Uh, uh, he's also learning all the movements that we ask on the number nine, and uh, so every day is uh, uh, kind of a learning process for him. But uh, he's already, I would say, ready to to play his part. We'll see Saturday if it's for how many minutes, uh, if it starts or not. But he will be for sure part of the team. Uh, we already alluded to striking options a little bit and Sergio Cordova getting integrated. I'm curious in terms of profile, he's a bigger guy in stature, looks like he, you know, could be that target man up front, but you see some of his goals for RSL and he has speed to run between lines and, you know, some, some different tactical tendencies than a Lucas Cavallini you've had Brian White on the squad. So curious for um, maybe some, some thoughts from you about, different threats he can provide, how he's going to combine with a Pedro Vite, Ryan Gall, and maybe add something you didn't have last season. Yeah, you know, you actually summarize very well. And uh, he's, 
the the reason why he was uh, on top of our scouting list it's three things i would say uh the first the the, the most important thing is the 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 speed and the, and the fact that he can be a very good vertical player he can attack the space in behind the line and uh, he can really stretch the opposition very well the second thing is because he can combine as you said before is a big guy that he can combine. He can be a target man. He can combine. He can link up, play, and he can <clears throat> really play with the two tens underneath him. And the third reason is because he's very good at pressing too. So we, for us, uh, the number nine is very important. That uh, it's going to be the first one who initiate the pressure, who initiate the, de- the defensive uh, action, and is uh, and is very and is very good at that too. The, on top of that, you can you can also uh, add that he scored 11 goals last year in MLS, and uh, it was his first season in MLS. And we all know how difficult it is to get in an MLS and to in this league and to get up to speed. So he, that's uh, that's all the the thing that made us uh, for me a no brain to say yes. Let's try to to have him, and uh, luckily the club was able to to do the right. Uh, a negotiation with Augsburg and RSL and bring him here. I guess just a quick follow-up for Axel then. Is there any particular reason why it took so long to get across the line? I mean, now that it's finalized, it seemed like two, three weeks there. It was a matter of time, but it just couldn't quite get done. Yeah, at the end, we we had four parties at the table. We, we as when he said, the, the rights have still been with uh, RSL. Um, we had to negotiate with the player. We had also to be mindful that we cannot speak with the player before we got to an approval with, uh, or to get to the solution with RSL because that are the league rules. Then we had to speak with Augsburg. Um, I can tell you, I have seen it. There were two official offers, one from a Mexican club, one from a European club for him on the table with Augsburg. We also had to convince the player. I've seen yesterday a very nice article where he said he felt really like... Uh, what is the wording? He said like that that they wanted him that we wanted him to be here that we really explained him why this is the right place. So that has all taken time because if you have offers from different clubs, you also put your thoughts into that, and that's a reason. What uh, I was never really concerned that uh, that we really would lose him, but on <laughs> on the other side, we also we have to get an agreement in agreement with all the all the parties. So the thoughts there of Vanny Sartini and Axel Schuster. Questions from Nathan Durek and Sam Rowan there from the media conference call that they had on Wednesday afternoon. We'll bring you more from that call as an extra podcast that we will bring out on Friday. Probably Friday afternoon or early evening because I might add some stuff in from the last day of training before the season kicks off as well at BC Place on Friday. Everyone excited and looking forward to the first kick opener against RSL. As I mentioned at the top of the show, bumper crowd expected, over 20,000, weather dependent, scarves getting given out to people that are are coming in. Certainly going to need it for the the chilly conditions. And I I think RSL is a good team to, to start off with. 
you'll you'll hear our thoughts on RSL coming up, but they haven't struck me as a, a team that is necessarily going to be too much worse than last year, but they also don't look like they've improved. So this is one of the teams that you feel the Whitecaps could be battling it out for, for one of the, the playoff spots. So to get them at home in the first game, I think, is huge. So we'll see what kind of start the Whitecaps get off to against RSL on Saturday. I'm confident. I'm predicting a 2-0, maybe even a 3-0 win for the Whitecaps to get the season off to a fantastic start. What will the rest of the, the season hold in store? We're going to look at our predictions for MLS West. Quick look at the East as well, as well as our MLS Cup predictions. But let's start off with how we think the Whitecaps will do in 2023. It sounds like the squad additions are done. Axel talked about wanting to get the, the work completely done before the season starts. So Laborda, Yao, Takaoka, Cordova, the only four signings. Two WFC2 promotions of Ali Ahmed and Simon Betcher. The draft pick of JC Gando, who now has his visa and he's in Vancouver. Vancouver? Vancouver. And Axel said the only changes now will come if players move on. And right now there's not plans to move anyone on and no player has asked to move on. So 13 players officially left the club. Some of them were already out alone anyway after 2022. Just seven in. Do you feel that's enough, Zach? I, I mean, I think, yeah, Vanny will say it's enough because of, you know, the, the, he wants to run a, a top, whatever, 16 to 22 players predominantly. But it feels like going into a Champions League season, like it's a it's a, a, mm. little, a little bit thin. Mm. Maybe not crazily, crazily thin, but a little bit thin. And, and, and maybe like in any year, they're an injury or two away from uh, some, you know, some big concerns, especially in a couple of positions. Yeah. I mean, we touched on that in the first part, Will, and it's like we're happy with the additions that's made. It strengthened areas that needed strengthened. Mm -hmm. Cordova, maybe not, would have been your first choice of a, a guy to bring in as, as your striker. Although Vanny did say this week that Cordova and Takaoka were the top of his lists of the players that he'd identified, and he's happy that he's got them both, but coaches will always say that. But as a valid point that Zach makes, we are a couple of injuries away to key guys and this could be a team in trouble and having to make some mid-season additions. That can be a challenge, though, in the MLS in general about... Yeah, I mean, it's know, the same to for to get the best teams. players you can on the field or having a lot of depth. And having a lot of depth might not mean that you're able to score, but if someone gets injured, then you're able to feel the competent squad. So it's, uh, you know... It can be a trade-off. Hmm. So let's start our predictions. Nine teams will make it in. Eight v nine will play a one-off play-in game, and then the top eight will be battling it out in best of three. So if we're looking at nine teams are getting into the postseason, yes or no? Are the Whitecaps one of those nine for you? I'm going to say uh, I think that they've I think that they have overall improved on the, on the top end of their roster, but. I'm going to say that they won't be able to buck the trend of Champions League teams um, performing poorly at the beginning of the season, and once again, that that is going to be something that lets them down and prevents them from qualifying for the for the playoffs. 
And if if they can buck that trend, uh, then then good on them uh, for making the playoffs and in Champions League year. Mm. Well, I agree. It's going to be challenging, but I mean, uh, with with nine teams and looking at some, especially with an expansion team um, in the West, uh, I think that they have a good shot, and they might just sneak in at nine. Interesting. I am going to possibly surprise you here. I think they're going to have a very good season. And part of it was in my research for this bit when I was looking at what other clubs have done. And my perception was that a lot of the clubs have gone out and done a, a lot of good business. But then when I've looked at some of the teams, there's an awful lot of teams that have not added many players. Mm. And it's a little surprising for me. So I have the Whitecaps making it. Uh, Michael, just a quick question about that, because I've noticed that too. And looking over the, you know, the transaction page on, on the MLS website, it feels like the the Whitecaps are actually. I was concerned about them as I talked about on the show before yeah. that they've brought in you know basically half of the number of players that go, but that seems more in line with what MLS teams mm-hmm. in general have done this year. And I agree that they, even though some teams have strengthened in different ways, that there hasn't been as much significant movement or, or significant players brought in as we've seen in in previous years. And uh, I'm just wondering, do you think that's like a, you know, an on, an on, um, you know, the ongoing effects of, of the pandemic or, or it's, it's something Good else question. or is it I like mean, is the league maybe not being able to bring in, you know, the, the, the level of player that they brought in the past or like, yeah. Well, it could go back to what we're talking about in the first part that because of the, tra- the way that the transfer windows haven't aligned, that there could right. be a number of players They're that want to see what they could get Europe wise or wherever. And then things haven't happened. So they'll come in over the season. Portland, right. for example, seem to be in discussions with a couple of guys that they're waiting to see what happens with just now and might bring in later in the season. I mean, it's a risky structure because you want to get off to a good start. And we won't dwell on it again, but we all know the bad start the Whitecaps had last year and how different last season would have been if they'd actually had a balanced year and hadn't got off Mm -hmm. to that horrendous start. So you are taking a gamble. Now, I know Seattle have done it a couple of times, bad start, come good, got in the playoffs. Didn't work for them last year. Hasn't worked for a lot of the Champions League teams, as you've said as well, Zach. Yeah. Mm. Which is, I mean, that's, to be fair, that's the first time it hasn't worked for Seattle. But Yes. Yeah. But, I, yeah, at some point it wasn't going to. But I, I, I have the Whitecaps finishing fourth in the West. Wow. Oh, wow. I've maybe been a bit buoyed with this preseason and getting all these results. Still. Oh, but that's, that's fair, Michael. If everything aligns for them... And they stay healthy. I think, like I said, I think they've haven't they've they've improved their starting eleven. Yeah, they're, they're starting eleven, and maybe my first three choice of subs. Yeah, I think but are that, a match for a lot of teams in this league. But again, the key there is your starting eleven and your <laughs> choice of three subs. I don't think are always going to align with what you know reality is going to show us. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was controversial that Vanny decided to make Takaoka our new DP striker. But I mean, I've got faith in him. <laughs> wait, as long as he's oh wait, here. I mean, the reality is, Michael. As long as he's not a wing back, I think they'll do. No, okay. that that's uh, Cordova. It's coming in. Is that? <laughs> Obviously, we're joking. We we love funny. Looking at the West, and now I've thought of the best way of doing this, and I've got all the stuff up on the screen here. I'm not going to go through every single team in depth. So I do have 
up all the teams and I'm going to just look at some main talking points for each one. So Austin, I think the key acquisitions I would say for Austin is they've added Jizzy Zardes. Mm. So you've got him now partnering Driussi or coming off the bench more likely to add something off the bench. He's a guy I spoke about. I'd have loved him here because of what he's done in the league. So I think that's good. They've got a Finnish centre-back in Leo Vesenin and former Dynamo player Adam Lundqvist as well, who's had five years with Houston, knows the league. He's a left-back. They, they traded for him. I think they've strengthened pretty well. Uh, I think they'll be a, fourth to, a force to be reckoned with uh, again th- this season. Colorado, I mean, they lost Jesse mm. Zardes, but I mean, their additions... They, they just don't look good at all. They, they've added Kevin Cabral. I think that's a good one. With it, potentially came from the LA Galaxy, but it didn't light it up there. That's the problem. And Andreas Maska or Maxka, uh, DP centre back, and you don't get a lot of DP centre backs in in this league. You've got to be really confident, yeah, in what he's going to do for your team to to bring in your DP as a centre back. Danish international though, so I guess it's pretty good. FC Dallas for me. Now, I, I feel they punched a little bit above their weight last mm. year. I, I had them making the playoffs, but I didn't think they would maybe be as good as they were. But they, they got that consistency going that a lot of teams didn't. But, I mean, for you, Zach, you'll love this. They've added Jesus. Wait, added him? Mm-hmm. You're talking about Dallas? Didn't they have him already? Well, oh, oh, you're different, different. This Giovanni, different Jesus, yeah, yeah, sorry, from Giovanni Jesus, right? Uh, from Cruzeiro, I, I do love, G- I do love second division. I do love Jesus, and Giovanni Elber did play for Cruzeiro, so it, it's interesting. They've moved on in, in kind of Dallas fashion, they moved on some of the older players, right? Like a Hedges, yeah, um, yeah. And I think her, Nikki Hernandez, there's a few older guys. If that's the right Hernandez I'm thinking of, maybe I'm thinking of a different Hernandez. But um, Matt Hedges, for sure, we really stands out as someone who's uh, who they moved on from. And, you know, uh, we've seen an, an older guy like Bob Bradley bring him in to maybe try and solidify Toronto's defense or reform Toronto's defense as he's let, you know, big players like former big players like Mavinga go and hang out with his old coach in L.A. But, um, yeah. Dal- They've got a good Dallas- front three. Like, if yes. you're looking at it, it's like Ariola, Velasco, Ferreira, great front three. That, that, that so that, that they do have Jesus up front as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there you two go. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus at the front, Jesus at the back. I, I mean, it's great. I, I love Jesus, so that's good. Uh, how can you go wrong with Jesus on offense and defense? Yeah, Houston. Now, Houston mm. off the pitch because I'm on a lot of the the club's mailing list, so I get a lot of their the emails through. Houston have done a lot of stuff off the pitch behind the scenes in their front office. They've added a an international scouting department, which you would have thought, you're just doing that in 2023? <laughs> um, maybe this explains a lot of stuff. But like they've done a lot of that. They've done a lot of reorganisation. I don't think it's going to help them a lot this year, but I think going forward, they will be a team that will improve. I think it's a struggle for them this year. They, they've lost key guys. Tim Parker, Fafa mm, Pico, yeah. Mimo Rodriguez, all moving on. And you look at the guys that's coming in and it's no one that you think's going to really set the header on fire. A guy that played once for Paraguay, 
Mm-hmm. I had Houston as one of the lowest teams for me. Yeah. Houston and St. Louis probably finishing last um, or in the competition. Yeah, that's actually my last. two as well. I've got Houston bottom, San Jose second bottom. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's where's the, also the creativity is going to come, right? Without, mm-hmm. without uh, not just Pico, but um, Quintero's gone, Saren in the midfield is gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to see the, the players that the, you know on the, on the list that they brought in. Uh, making up for those, uh, you know, that that difference. They do have one interesting guy, right? Is Brad Smith at left back who used to play for the mm. Flounders, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's been yeah. a, a solid addition for them. I, I do like what, what he can bring. I mean, I mean, Bassey is the guy that they're hoping is going to be the creative thing. He's coming from FC Mets. And they're hoping that he's going to bring that creativity. I'm just not so sure about that. The Galaxy... I don't know that they're in a strong position. I I have them quite like low down and potentially I've got them in ninth place in the West. So oh, borderline wow. making the playoffs. Now I also had them missing out on the playoffs last season and I I, I think you guys were were quite high on them and obviously you were right because mm-hmm. they they finished in the top four. But mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just there's something about this team that just it just does not excite me. Yeah. So, like I, I said, Vanny was going to make the playoffs. I too, at the moment for this moment, am concerned about because you talk about the Whitecaps and the differential between you know brought in and and whatever. Their differential is is also significant, right? Yeah. Uh, and the guys that brought in, you know, Klins, they re-signed Klinsman, who's their backup or backup keeper or whatever, um, which is Jurgen's son. Um, and then they brought in Mavinga, obviously, who um vanny is familiar with and you know we'll hope to be able to get the best out of him and then they brought in you know memo Rodriguez who can create and can score for midfield from houston i think that those are solid but it doesn't like when you look at who's gone right grand seer uh cabral or is it ovasquez you know like these are these are significant um players in question i know he's older but question um, or significant parts of their attack from last year, and it'll be interesting to see how they they make that um, that difference up. I think I think um, Mavinga is potentially a better an improvement for them over guys like Derek Williams and Eric Zavaleta. Must have been hard for Vanny to to let to let his what is it cousin or nephew no nephew or whatever go. Um, mm, but, I, um, I think though, like their season right now, I, I, this is a team though that can always go out and attract talent. Because yeah. there's still a storied name, and I think if you're asking people around the world to name an MLS team, for many years, LA Galaxy would be that team, the Beckham totally. effect, everything like that. I don't know how much of that that would still be said nowadays, but I think they still have a name in certain things, and because it's LA, you're always going to be able to attract players. But their season rests on Chicharito. We we saw the Chicharito that we know he can be last season. The yep. season before that, we didn't. So it's like, what do you get in 2023 from him? Because if he's not firing on all cylinders, they've not got a lot that you think is going to step up to that plate. And he's a guy that he's an injury away from them being in big, big trouble. Yeah. And in that regard, it hasn't got off to a great start for LA because Chicharito is injured. He was listed as day-to-day for their big game against LAFC at the Rose Bowl on Saturday, where over 70,000 tickets have been sold for that one. And that is despite fans boycotting the 
LA Galaxy front office because they're they're not happy with the way that the club has been run, their continued lack of success and underachievement in recent seasons. LA Galaxy president Chris Klein and technical director Jovan Kervoski are the, the two that's been really targeted for that. But they can still sell tickets and pack out the Rose Bowl. The current record at the Rose Bowl is 74,479 and there's a lot of expectations that that one could get smashed. But if it does get smashed, it will be without Chicharito, who confirmed on his Instagram on Thursday night that he will be missing that El Trafico game to kick off the season. Not ideal for them. And if he can't keep himself healthy, not ideal this season for the Galaxy. The, the other LA team, LAFC, defending champs, both Vanny and Axel feel they're maybe not as strong as they were last year, but still hard to see past them mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. They, they've lost some key guys. I mean, Gareth Bale, maybe didn't have a huge impact, <laughs> but he did in the final. But like Christian Arango moving to Pachuca, that's a big one. Latif Blessing yeah. moving to New England. Yeah. I've always liked Latif Blessing as well. And I mean, they've lost other guys. They've they've brought players in, but nobody that you look at and you go, "Oh, that's that's really exciting." Yeah, it'll be interesting. How, this guy, this kid from the guy, the guy from Hedrick Split, is he is he Buke. supposed to? Be, yeah, is he yeah. supposed to be the business? Is he supposed to do the business for them now? Well, I, I mean, know, he, they still he's have, twenty. They still... He won the Golden Boy Award as being Europe's best young player in twenty twenty two. So I mean, that's some competition he's been okay. up against. That's where I recognize his name from. Okay, um, so yeah, obviously Golden Boy. They're bringing him in to maybe take the crown from some of their older attacking players because they do have some quality holding it older attacking players. I've got a song in my head now. I'm sure it's called Golden Boy. Let me just check this. Uh, by a, a guy, Sin with Sebastian. This is the kind of fun stuff you get on this show. <laughs> I'm Googling Sin with Sebastian. This could... Oh, this yeah, could, could go horribly wrong. Yes. it's Here we go. Sebastian Roth. German music singer-songwriter, Zach. I'm sure mm. you're a big fan of his. No. Yeah, Golden Boy. That was his hit in 1995. There you go. I forgot with the galaxy. They also have Douglas Costa. Douglas Costa. Yeah, he's an old man, but he's yeah he 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 influenced some games for them last year. Golden boy, born to love and live for joy. I'm a golden boy. There we go. Got that in my head now. All night. I actually have this as a CD single. Anyway, back back to talking football. I've got a song for every occasion. That's what I like to pride myself with. No one's heard of them. You just have to take my word that they exist. I'm not just making <laughs> lyrics up. Right, who are we? We're at M, Minnesota United. Now, apart from their weird Northern Lights strip that's got nothing to do with Northern Lights in my mind, <laughs> this is another team that you're looking at it and you're like, um, do you feel you've strengthened much? <laughs> for, for me, I, I think it was sad they, they lost their dick. <laughs> goalkeeper Eric Dick moved on Callum Montgomery left him as well to yeah. join the CPL yeah I was encouraged about that hmm. but you look at who they've brought in and Cameron Dunbar a trade from LA Galaxy folk are like yeah who? their no, key I, acquisitions it, it, dude I want to see a back line of Zarek Valentin 
Michael Boxel, Daniel Henry, and uh, Lawrence. I want to see who that backline looks for them. Well, the the MLS have the backline has been Taylor Boxall, Tapias, and Lawrence. So you've got two of them. Yeah, they, they've got you've got Robin Lodge, you've got Reynoso, you've got Amaria, you've got Frajapani. Mm-hmm. That front four can cause a lot of trouble. I think the problem is, can they keep the ball out the back of the net? That is maybe one of the key things from them. It, I mean, everything is built around Reynoso. Reynoso. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy that an injury and your season can be derailed very quickly. Yeah, he's one of those players when you watch them play, literally everything goes from him. When as soon as they uh, attain possession of the ball, every player is looking for him. So in one sense, they are uh, they can be easy to um, to set up against. But then the problem is if you overkey on Reno, so you create space for for their other players. I mean, Will Will Trap needs to have a good season for them. Laud needs to have a good season for them. Um, and then up top, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Who was that with Amaria? Yeah, had a okay season right last year. So it'll be interesting to see who bangs in the goals mm-hmm. for them. But yeah, Reynoso is is really. Yeah. Miguel Tapias has been their big addition, which is a, a Mexican centre back. He's come from Elite uh, MX Champions Pachuca. Right. He's on their website as a midfielder. Oh, interesting. So maybe he'll play next to Trap? Well, they've gone beside Boxall when I look at the, the MLS oh, right, predicted the back, lineup here. So I yeah. guess it's just listed wrong on the website. Because, yeah, to my one, knowledge, one of them, one of them is wrong. Back, but yeah. <laughs> so then we're coming to some teams that didn't make the postseason that you would think, well, they really want to turn things around. Portland. And you look, this is what I was saying, you look at who Portland's brought in and you're like, I would think the Portland fans are worried. They've got Evander in from Michelin. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Really, that's their that's their key addition. Now, Evander himself is a, a great addition. He was acquired for a, a club record transfer fee. He's played in Denmark's top tier. He's played in the Champions League. He's played in the Europa League. He's been capped at youth level for Brazil. They think very highly of him. He's a midfielder. He's the guy that they they think is going to be the creative spark to the team, the guy that's going to produce stuff for the team. The, the MLS Soccer.com article when the the deal got over the line in December, so Portland's technical director, Ned Grabavoy, say that he was a difference maker and that he felt that he ticked all the boxes that the, the club were looking for. I mean, he's only 24. He looks to be a top talent, but he can't do everything on his own. They've got to surely be making a couple of big splashes in the next couple of months. They must be waiting for the European season to end or something. Yeah, that would that would make sense because you're right. Yeah, they, not a, you feel like not enough has changed to to make them a viable option, unless for some reason they just think they were they you know Blanco was not fully fit for them down to, down to the end. I mean, the, the, defensively is where you worry about Portland. Although I don't, it'd be nice to see them ship tons of goals. Yes, but like they've they've just lost Bill Tulioma. Uh, he's right. been at Charlotte, and he's been a kind of staple for them. Van Ranken, another guy at the back, they've kind of lost him as well. According to Tom Bogart, 
the Timbers are still in active discussions to bring in a new forward and a new centre-back. Now, that is two key positions on the field that you would think you want to get done sooner rather than later. They've got until penultimate week in April, I think, the transfer window shuts. So the European season's not over by then, so they might not even get that done over the line until the summer. So how they start the season could be the determined factor as to how whether they're playoff contenders or not. But I, again, that's a real gamble, as I yeah. mentioned earlier, is that part of the problem with MLS is that uh, we're sort of often beholden to the European season and it can be really difficult. And the Whitecaps have had that misfortune many years. I mean, you're you're taking a gamble, but I guess if nine teams are making it, it's a gamble that could pay off if you're yeah. if you keep in touch. You just have to keep in touch. That's that's the thing. But we'll rattle through the the last four. So RSL always seem to punch above their weight, but you feel it's going to run out at some point for them. Mm. They have uh, signed uh, Colombian Brian Vera. He's a left back, and Andres Gomez, who's a highly thought of Colombian winger. They lost, though, Cordova, their leading scorer. Yeah, Maybe he yeah. can transfer that go? good stuff. Where do you go again? They lost Aaron Herrera as well, who's traded to Montreal, which was a, a good pickup for for Montreal. San Jose Earthquakes. I mean, we, we touched, the, like, well, me's got them in Houston down at the bottom. They just do not look exciting at all. They've added yeah. a Brazilian goalkeeper. He's a TAM goalkeeper. You would have to say that, like, and I know JT Marcinkowski, he had a few adventures last season, but he's a solid goalkeeper. If you're going to have TAM money, it feels a little of a waste, maybe, if you're not big spenders, to waste it on a goalkeeper, whereas you want to strengthen other areas of the field. But they did do that in a club record deal to acquire Carlos Cruezo from Augsburg. Yeah, I'm really excited about his return to MLS. To see if he can um, see if he can uh, translate his some of his positive form from Augsburg into a higher level than he had when he was at Dallas and MLS, which enabled him to go to Augsburg. But he's a he's a DM, isn't he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I, again, I mean, I know they need to stop shipping goals if they want to rise the table. He, but if you're doing a club record deal, yeah. is the DM the guy you want that club well, record deal deal to be on? No, and that that's a that's totally a fair a fair criticism. But I'm I'm excited to see how that how that plays out. I mean, for me, the the and I mean, obviously, there's two other big local connections here. The the kind of the sad uh, reality that Shea Salinas has finally yeah. hung up his boots, and also that uh, Baldissimo will now be redoning well, number fifty five for for San Jose. So I'd love to see Guerrero and Baldissimo together in the, the center of their midfield. Have a funny um, feeling you're not going to do that. I I just think they're I, I just think they're powder puff up front and. Even if they've shore up the back, they've just not enough got enough goals in there to to have yeah. any kind of impact. It will, it, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how much Cowell well, time playing time Cowell gets this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think the the money they spent on Ebobise from to get him from Portland is is proving to be um, you know Gam Tam whatever money not not the best spent. Two to go. Seattle Sounders, who, like, they didn't have a good season. And you could maybe pin a lot of that mm. on the fact that of the Champions League exertions and love them or hate them. What they did was a fantastic achievement in winning the Champions League. 
it took its toll on the league season. Yeah. So you think maybe this is the time the changing of the guard, they move some of the old guys on, but no, they re-signed Freddie Montero. They had a couple of homegrowns, and their only addition is a Brazilian forward Heber from New York City FC that they traded. Where where did where did your buddy Will Bruin land? Austin. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was free agency, and then right. Austin signed him. Right. Okay, that's good for him. The, the, the thing is, I think that they. Well, one, you can't see them not making the playoffs like, you know, two years in a row. It was shocking, I think, to the the MLS ecosystem and obviously to their massive pride that they didn't qualify last year. Um, It was a big marketing thing. We always make the playoffs. Yes. But again, they they didn't make the playoffs in a year where they were the first ever MLS team to win the Cock and Calf Mm -hmm. Champions League. So, I mean... I think you know they uh, they cried themselves to sleep during those those playoffs on, on yeah. uh, you know with that 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 you know that throwing flowing through their you know their 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 dreams or whatever. Um, I, I'm like I, I think they're gonna bounce back. I know they're old, a little bit older and stuff, but I really think they're gonna bounce back. And I think only things like significant injuries can hold them from hold them back from from having a you know a, a good year in the league and a and another good run in the playoffs. Well, I mean, we know the qualities there, and we know the damage that the, the likes of Ladero and yeah. Diaz can cause. Yeah. And then, if you've Would, got everyone healthy, I know Rusnak, you're going to say, "Who wouldn't want? <laughs> Who wouldn't want Ra- Raul Ruiz Diaz at their football club?" Ah, uh, uh, one of our long-running jokes. And if you don't, not know joke. It's a re- it's, no, it's, uh, yeah, okay, it, it, okay. It would be it would be a joke if it was funny. True. Um, Jordan Morris as well. Yeah. Roldan, Rusnak, João Paulo. I mean, all great attacking pieces. They've got a solid defense as well. They're so good they have two Roldans, Michael. Mm. And last of all, Johnny Russell FC. Disappointing season for them. They've not gone out and done a ton of exciting additions themselves. But it's just another club that you feel they can't be as bad as last year. They've surely, <laughs> they've surely got to turn things around a little bit. They can be, and don't call them surely. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they did sign a German for you, Zach. So I mean, that's us rattled through the teams after me saying, "Yeah, we're not going to go into them in a lot of depth." Maybe we did, but some quick fire things. Then, do, do you have a surprise package either of you for the West this year? Oh. <sighs> I'll start by saying I think it's going to be the Whitecaps. Mm. Genuinely think when you look at these other teams, there's nothing to fear. I think LAFC are head and shoulders above everyone else still. Like, I've got them winning the West. Does anyone have anyone else winning the West? Uh, I think Uh, that makes makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Will? I had uh, LA, LA, and KC as my three top teams. Oh, KC with a big bounce back. Yeah, I had KC I, making the, the playoffs. I had them in sixth. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, Zach, as you were pointing out, and, and Michael, I, I think you were kind of uh, with this as well, is that it's a bit of a weird year. Uh, not a lot of huge moves, not a lot of groundbreaking stuff, a lot of small moves within the league, um, which doesn't feel normal. Um so I think it's 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 a little bit of a difficult year. There was a couple teams last year like Portland 
like Seattle that had off years, are they going to bounce back? I mean, that's a question, right? We're almost sort of basing this off history rather than, uh, you know, well, they always find a way kind of thing or or they're waiting for, like you said, with Portland, maybe they're going to get some people uh, in, in the summer window uh, with the famous MDS next window, next window. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's a bit of a crapshoot. I sort of took KC on a, a hope and a prayer and again, sort of the putting the money on the horse that, that usually gets near the top or usually has a sort of a good fan base and, and get some quality in. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs, whether they'll actually, uh, you know, again, it's taking a bit of a gamble, but I'd say probably LA, LA, KC. So my top three, I've gone for LAFC, Austin and Seattle. I think Seattle's, I initially maybe thought they would be fifth just under the White Caps. So I think they've got enough quality to, to just put them uh, above the, the White Caps in fourth. Then I've got Portland coming in fifth. I, I think LA, FC, I think you're right. So, Michael, you obviously then had the White Caps fourth, you said, right? Yeah, I had the White Caps fourth. Like, so, I, I just think if, if Dreisi can have this season, he's got he's got like support there from Zardes, Will Bruins there as well. That's a, an exciting attack. But you've also got the fact that defensively they're strong. They've got such a strong home stadium and the atmosphere that they get that kind of brings things out of them. And with Nashville... I'm banking a lot on that and Mukhtar having another great season and them being solid yes. defensively. But mm. it's also because nobody else really stood out for me as being, oh, they are going to be really dangerous this year. Okay, well, Seattle doesn't have the Champions League distraction this year, right? And Seattle and LAFC, I think, are up there um, in in the, the that upper echelon. Uh, after that, I think, yeah, I think I can see them crashing after having so great a year, but I also think, I agree with you, that Austin... Will be there, so they're probably mm. my top three. With you know, Seattle, LAFC, Seattle, Austin would be mm. uh, be in my top three. I think the Galaxy are going to make the playoffs um, this this year. I think um, Kansas City is going to have a big bounce back. So again, they'd be in my top like top five. Yeah, after that, maybe maybe Vancouver does have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. When I look at it like that, I know because yeah, I mean, four is seems crazy to me, Michael. But yeah, well, maybe they, they could come as high as like. You know, in that six to nine bracket, when I thought them more of in the, yeah. you know, eight to yeah. To See, that 10. was that's exactly with me. Before I delved into what the other teams had done, and obviously a lot of them can still make additions and summer additions. I just feel the Whitecaps are in. A, I know they've got the Champions League and the Canadian Championship. I just feel we've got some guys mm. that are looking in pretty good form, and like Dahomey could be a sensation for us if he carries this preseason yeah. form into the regular season. I, I just think they can get some points on the board early that could really help them for what is a hell of a difficult summer because they're on the road yeah. so much. I, I really feel too like, I mean, this is just more qualitatively that rather than quantitatively, but we really need to get off to a strong start. I mean, yeah. one of our, yeah. our best seasons was... Um, was it like 2015 or 2016 when we finished, was it third or something like that overall? And, I think we're second we, one year. Were we second? Yeah. Yeah. So we had we had like the strongest opening start that we had uh, ever, if, if memory serves correct. And, you know, I think that's, uh, there's often that 
doldrum month where we just go on a bad run of form and uh, really having as strong a start as possible will help you get through that. We tend to often pick it up in the last, mm-hmm. you know, third of the season, but it's that first third that where I find we often just ship points for no reason. But yeah, I mean, before I was delving into it, I had us probably eighth, ninth, and then I looked at it and it's like, well, why not us? I, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, though maybe they could come uh, with, you know, so many teams. Is I think that... I think St. Louis could either either be like hot garbage or they could be really great because they. I think I think Roman Berkey and hopefully we'll do some more talking about Roman Berkey in the in the weeks ahead in um, multiple elements, both on the field and off. But yeah, we didn't mention St. Louis when we we're going through all the, the stuff because it's all new additions. So that's why we yeah the whole team in case any, anyone was wondering. I mean, I I've got St. Louis in twelfth. I just think that they're. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to get that that bump, and they're going to finish above San Jose and and Houston. I mean, I'm just interested in them because, honestly, because of Lutz Fennerstiel, you know, the goalkeeper, the German goalkeeper who was the first player, maybe the only player who's ever played professional football on all six uh, in all six confederations or whatever, and of course played right here in Vancouver for I think it was only one year, um, but has had significant roles at a couple Bundesliga clubs. Oh, or sorry, German clubs. Um, they weren't, I think, always in the Bundesliga. But um, no, I'm really excited to see what he has put together and how it will come together on the field. I think Roman Berkey, uh, you know, former number one at, at um, Borussia Dortmund, could be a game changer in this league. That like, could be a a keeper who wins them many games or, or wins them significant amount of points uh, based on his performances. Um, and then just, yeah, how the rest of the squad comes together. Uh, some of the players I know a little about, some I don't know anything about. Um, and some, obviously, there's people we know, like Tim Parker and Jake Nowinski. But, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see what happens with them. It's always interesting to see, you know, the new MLS clubs and, and how they do and stuff. And they're going to have incredible support, I think, in St. Louis. It's been a team, been a community that has longed to have an MLS team for, like, you know, longer than I think the Whitecaps have been in MLS. Um, uh, and they, they, things have never really fully worked out, but now they have. And I think that the the support there is going to be quality um, and I think is going to help spur them on to to achieve, uh, potentially achieve great things for the, this year. So, I, 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 I mean, they could end up being a dumpster fire, but I really think that they, they could come out and be more, you know, more like, um, not, not, not like an Atlanta um, but more like, uh, was it Nashville? Nashville made the playoffs in their first year, right? Yes. Yeah, more like a Nashville kind of kind of team. Yeah, I mean, th- thankfully Nashville is not in our conference yeah. this season. So, I mean, that's one of the strong teams that has moved on. And I mean, some of the other teams that I haven't mentioned, I, I, I think Dallas will still hang on and get a playoff spot. RSL, I think, I think it's between them and the Galaxy for eighth and ninth. But I think I might just have RSL sneaking in if they can get a good replacement for Cordova that's going to get the goals for them. I think Minnesota's going to fall. I just think they're going to struggle. And Colorado, I I think they might struggle as well. I I think Minnesota's going to do better than you're thinking. And I think maybe the double Jesus team might not do as well as you're thinking. Hmm. The, The East, I haven't paid a lot of attention to them. It's hard to see past Philadelphia. I think Nashville is going to be a very strong addition. I know I've learned a lot from playing in the West and now that they've moved back to the East 
flip-flopping back and forward. I mean, they'll be right up there. But I think Philadelphia is still the, the team to beat for me in the East, based on very little knowledge and paying much attention. And the fact that the Whitecaps have beaten four Eastern teams in preseason. <laughs> what about your Eastern thoughts? Well, Will, I think you, Will, you said we're saying earlier off air well, I think I, that Nashville is going to be top, right? Or near the yeah, top. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's probably going to be Philly, just given, you know, that they finished so strongly last year. And uh, they they didn't lose many players if i'm correct just their backup striker and their uh midfielder um so i think they're still still sort of the team to beat and then i thought nashville was really strong so those would be my top nashville they, they're a team that you know what you're getting with them which is a good defensive footing under gary smith and in mukhtar they've got one of the best players in mls yeah and he's that he's that guy. I would love him here. Just imagine Mukhtar and Gold in the same team. Oh, yeah. Just need they, to try and put the chances away, but you'd be creating a lot of good chances. They have like a sort of like a strong um, spine to their team, right? It goes from uh, you know from Willis at the back, Walker Zimmerman, and then yeah. into midfielder into midfield with a player like Mukhtar, and then even up top with some of their or you could say Godoy and McCarty. And um, well, they added Fafa Pico as well, so yeah. I mean that's a that's a huge boost for them. Yeah, and so up top, yeah, you got uh, guys like you know Bunbury and Sapong, who are like maybe not going to be fifteen goal a year players anymore, but they're going to get like let's say seven to twelve goals each kind of thing. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see. What Pico's going to play wide. He's going to play more up top. What are they going to do? Um, but yeah, I, they're like a, a solid team. But again. Uh, it's kind of like as Mukhtar goes, so go the... Well, yeah, so but he, he's had two absolutely fantastic seasons. Mm -hmm. And you need that consistency. So he needs to, to keep doing that. Now, players that produce the way that he's produced don't usually stay in MLS for too, too long. No. That's that's the thing. Uh, I'm surprised folk weren't sniffing about him. Maybe they were, or maybe they just don't rate MLS. But he's a guy that you think could go back to Europe and just light it up somewhere over there. Totally. Maybe he's perfectly happy, though, in, in Nashville. I mean, the, there's that as well, because it's not just about, oh, we could do that or whatever. And then, you know, my feelings are, are a little biased in this regard, but I have a feeling that uh, finishing down at the bottom might be uh, Toronto, uh, Montreal, um, and uh, where's my list here? Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago. Mm. Chicago, crap team, crap jersey. Yeah, I think Chicago is probably going to finish dead last in the East, and then I, I, I just have a feeling that Montreal just have lost so many components that they're probably going to be. Yeah. that's an interesting one, Doc, as to how they're going to be this year. New coach, a lot of player movement. It, it is a crazy. It is a crazy one, right? Uh, it, it feels like they've lost so, so, so many players. Yeah. Uh, I'm just double checking. I thought he was gone, but did, did they re-sign Rudy Camacho? Yes. Yes, they yeah. did. So they've re-signed Rudy Camacho and they got a lot of, of, of the, their best players. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, I can't, like, when you lose Mihailovic, you lose, um, obviously, uh, Johnson, um, you lose Kone. Like, there's a whole bunch of players. <laughs> the, the one thing is, where, where's Kamal Miller? Is he still there? At the moment, I think yes. 
which is seems crazy to me. He was linked with moves to Europe, but nothing's That's conspired a, yet. I yeah. would see him moving on this summer, though. Yeah, uh, that yeah, that that was one's weird. I think they were lucky to sign Winyama, but again, or re-sign Winyama, but uh, he is not really proved to be someone you can totally build the whole team around. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to miss Mihailovic. Hugely. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. It, well, well, but the other thing is, Kai is still technically there, right? He's been training. Yes, now. yeah. He doesn't want to be there, but he's there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think New York City might struggle this year as well. They've lost some key mm. pieces as well, so I could see them falling down. What about MLS Cup winners, Cup finalists? Final bit of this. Who do you think's got what it takes to win the whole shebang? Can well, LAFC go back to back? I'll just say because Steve's not here, uh, I think he would choose Miami. Yeah, I, I think he would. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's not here. Yeah. He he thinks they have it in a bag. He doesn't even need to yeah. talk about it. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, a repeat of last year's final, to be honest, but... I I agree. Yeah. Tough to see pastels just now. But let us know your thoughts as well. Let us know... How you think the white caps are going to do? I'm I'm confident heading into this season. That's usually a bad sign. We'll see how that goes. They usually do well when I'm not confident, and when I am confident, I get my my hopes dashed and my heart broken. It's pretty much it for the football chat for this episode. But we've still got time for this episode's wavelength, and as sadly has been the norm, it feels for the show in 2023. We are going to talk about a, a sad aspect of the game this week as the world of football lost an absolute legend in the commentary department. English commentator John Motson sadly passed away on Thursday, aged 77, died peacefully in his sleep. And Motson, an absolute legend in the UK, who have been heard worldwide as well with the, the broadcasts. On FIFA, he's the, the guy that voiced so many FIFA games over the years. He commentated on 10 World Cups, 10 UEFA Championships, 29 FA Cup Finals, before hanging up his famous sheepskin jacket in 2017, having commentated on over 2,000 games after beginning with the BBC as a commentator in 1971. There was a fabulous documentary shown on the BBC in 2018 uh, about him and his career and just the the battle really between commentators who wanted to get on and be the guy that got the big occasions. It's called Motti, the man behind the sheepskin. Really recommend digging that out. And if you, you can't get hold of it and you want to see it, get in touch and I'll we'll point you in the right direction. So for this episode's Wavelength, we wanted to kind of have a song honouring John Motson and there's been a few over the years that, that sampled him and stuff. So I've gone for something a little bit more unusual. This is a track that was kind of found on the FIFA 97, I think just the PlayStation version, but it might have been on the others as well, but it was on the soundtrack for that if you put the the game into your CD player. It's just sampling John Motson. As far as I know, it doesn't have a name. But let's hear from the great man himself. Somebody say, oh yeah! 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 Oh ye
solo and on my watch there are only a few seconds left and the final whistle's gone and, 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 and he's off wonderful track from the FIFA 97 soundtrack sampling John Motson legend in football legend in commentary I could only hope to be a little part of how good he was as a commentator R.I.P. Motty so that's pretty much it for this show, episode 550. Kind of feels like it's a, a special show, just really because it's a, a nice round number, but of course we are going to be having our special shows coming up in March for our 10th anniversary. Well, any final thoughts from you? Where can folk find you online? Yeah, you can reach me online. Uh, I'm actually also part of... Uh... Uh, a live stream weekly on technology um, uh, called Momentus.tv. So www.momentus.tv. And uh, yeah, check in on Tuesday nights and we have a live stream. Okay. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter occasionally uh, tweeting at Zachary AM, uh, part of supporters for the new Canadian Premier League side, Vancouver FC, out in Langley. Uh, if you want to be involved with that, fvfanatics uh, at gmail.com. So you can find our stuff online, AFTN.ca. Follow us on Twitter, AFTN Canada, and check out our videos on YouTube. We'll be back with another episode soon as we look over the Whitecaps season opener against RSL. Look around the opening first kick weekend around Major League Soccer. See how the whole Apple TV thing worked as well. And we'll also bring you some of the latest news from the other local teams, Vancouver FC and TSS Rovers, planning to record that episode on Monday afternoon, so that will most likely come out probably actually Tuesday afternoon or early evening, because I'm hoping to get an interview done at Whitecaps Training on Tuesday as well that we'll include in that episode. But until then, thanks for listening, take care, 
mon the caps, and let's get the season off to a winning, if snowy, start. Bye, everybody. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it, you know? Legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for Dad, Mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?